Welcome to a bonus episode of Food and Loathing, or as I like to refer to it, this week's leftovers. Occasionally, and this has only happened twice in the 18 weeks we've been doing this podcast, so I guess that's occasionally. Anyway, we get so much great material at an event, we can't fit all the good stuff into an episode. I'm your host, Al Mancini, with our producer, Rich Johnson, doing the heavy lifting in the editing bay, or whatever, probably the laptop, to cobble together this leftovers edition. Look, if decades of being overfed by the world's top chefs have taught me anything, it's that while you can usually get away with just sampling a tiny bit of everything, some dishes are so good that you need to package them up for a second serving in a different setting. At a great steakhouse, that might mean bringing home a doggy bag to make steak and eggs on a Sunday morning, you know, when you're hungover. Or when you're podcasting from a food festival, it means something like what we're about to do right now. By now, you have hopefully listened to episode 19 of Food and Loathing, which has all of the things you've come to expect from this podcast. A brilliant co-host, in this case Rick Moonen, a rundown of places we've been, a little bit of news, a cannabis edibles review, and a lot of bad jokes and TMI from yours truly. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, you'll probably want to go back and check it out right now, because that is where you'll find our more nuanced coverage of Vegas Unstripped 2021, which took place this past weekend on Main Street in the Las Vegas Arts District. We spend a lot of time running commentary and interviews with at least a dozen of the chefs, restaurateurs, and foodies that we encountered there, and most of it is trimmed down to digestible nuggets. For those who want a deep dive, however, we have three more interviews to share, and we are going to start you off with a nice long chat we had with one of Las Vegas's top chefs, a good friend of mine and of the show, the always opinionated and never shy James Trees. James joined us along with Jackson Stamper, and as you will hear, he was convinced I was going to edit out some of his trash talk, or maybe I should just call it shade, regarding a legendary Bellagio chef. While I might not agree with Chef Trees on this particular topic, and I'm not usually one to stir the pot when it's a pot full of beef, I also wasn't about to censor him, especially after he predicted I would. James also shared his unique perspective on how Vegas Unstripped came about, which, now that I think about it, also contains a minor serving of beef. So here is our interview with James Trees in its entirety from Vegas Unstripped 2021. So we have Mr. James Trees from Esther's Kitchen and a billion other places, Mr. Jackson Stamper from Ada's in Tivoli Village, and um, where do I know you from prior to that? I was at Atomic, Kitchen at Atomic That's before right. that. That's yeah. where we first hugged, mm-hmm. yes. Um, but his first job... Very first job was Esther's. Because he came here from New York City and was like, I'm this fancy New York chef and I can get a job anywhere. Yeah. And then, like, he couldn't get a job... <laughs> <laughs> because people saw the tattoos and the fact that he's a Phillies Flyers fan, and they were like, "Oh yeah, this won't work." Oh well, yeah, and you then, can't yeah. be a Flyers fan. Yeah, yeah not no, non Vegas. Yeah, yeah. My, and so my, then, parents tried that. We only so so like then he started cooking. He started cooking at, at Esther's for like two weeks, and then like one day he like walked in, and I was like, "You got a job." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I'm sorry." Yeah, yeah I was like, "Ah, it's all good. It's all good." You know, and I think I got a couple of cooks in my kitchen right now who are gonna do the same thing. 
And you guys can all go listen to Avenged Sevenfold at the same time. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like, in my mind, you're all the same person. What? <laughs> <laughs> you're more funny than them so far. Avenged Sevenfold? Yeah, yeah, we got a couple yeah, kids, Avenged Kevin Seven and Ian. an interesting yeah. story about their drummer who's no longer alive and some LSD that somebody handed me when I was in San Francisco once, and I wasn't expecting to have handed it to me. And I think I ended up giving it to their- You were in San Francisco, why was that not expected? No, well, I actually, I was in yeah. front of Lucky 13, right? Oh. So where else would it happen? Yeah. Right? And um, yeah, and then I, I think I remember I was backstage at Avenged Sevenfold. I'm like, oh shit, I still got like a bunch of ass. <laughs> and the guy was like, can I have it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah, it's Vegas, <laughs> you sing about Hunter S. Thompson. Um, sure, why, why would I not hand you acid right now? I mean, uh, <laughs> oh God. So you came into Ada's kind of when it was in the middle of its renovation, right, Chef? Or no, no, was he, it after that? Gen 3. Okay, Gen 3. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, so here's the thing. is like, Ada's has basically been a culinary incubator for ideas of, like, what we think might fucking work up in, up in Tivoli and Summerlin. And we've been R&Ding and playing around with service styles and all these different things. And so Dylan was my first chef there. And Dylan was one of my sous chefs and my original bread baker. And he's with me tonight. He's awesome. Uh, he actually left already because he's a responsible young man. And he has brunch in the <laughs> So... You have responsible young men working. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm the crazy couple. person. I am the crazy There's person always. So, um, and then what ended up happening is we brought Bruce in. Like, so, like, towards yeah, Bruce the Bruce Talman we're yeah, talking so about, Bruce, yes. Bruce, so the thing was, I brought Bruce down to Main Street, and I was like, this is where you should open a barbecue restaurant. And I pointed at his place that is now Soul Belly. I was like, that's your barbecue restaurant. And then my landlord, his landlord, I walked him in there, and I was like, this is where you should open. And he's like, cool, well, what do I do until then? I was like, well, let's talk to Jeff and my partners over at Lev, and they were amazing. Um, and they brought him in, and they were like, all right, cool, it is 2.0. We're going to start kind of playing with the Mediterranean idea, kind of do some other vibes. COVID hits, we're like, Psh, done. And I'm like, okay, can we not do it is the way we were doing it before? <laughs> And that was like my whole thing. I was like, but I, I still miss the ice cream, James. Yeah, that's I, I've great. I've got to say, and, like, and I really miss the ice cream. The problem is, you need to pay a lot of money. Yeah. to make any money on. I'm ice not cream. good. I'm not good. Well, that that wasn't a problem for me. That was a problem for you. I just <laughs> ate the ice cream. And Al, it was Al, I don't know, great. Al, I don't know if you've been to my restaurants, <laughs> but pricing is not what I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 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 really, um, we were losing money on the ice cream, literally like a dollar every scoop, just because <laughs> I would not charge more. And I couldn't provide less quality. That was the biggest problem. Is like it, some thing about ice cream, you have to sacrifice either quality and or you have to charge too much money for it. Right. Because you talk about the raw ingredients, really good sugar costs money. Really good milk from like northern Nevada. Why don't we just educate people on what ingredients cost and tell them to it's either hard. either no, eat, garbage, care, bro. eat garbage, eat garbage, or care. or pay up they don't for care. good shit. When you're competing with McDonald's and pizza. Uh, when you're competing I mean, with Hagen Dazs, you're not competing with Hagen Dazs. But you're, you're competing with Ben and Jerry's. You're competing with ben and Jerry's is that, tough to compete buy with. Yeah. I gotta say, man, yeah. it is. Yeah. But I mean, like, think about it. And like, they buy things in such mass. No, but your shit was better than Ben and Jerry's, and oh, that's course, a yeah. high thank, praise thank for you. me and because and Ben and Jerry's is like the. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I know <laughs> when that. When I quit that, drinking, I developed a serious Ben and Jerry's habit. <laughs> yeah. That the only person I knew. You got to replace the sugar, right? Yeah, like, you got to replace the sugar. The sugar. Yeah. <laughs> that, that I still, like, people literally text me and they're like, I woke up this morning and all I wanted was that New York blueberry cheesecake ice cream. And I go, yeah, 
Me too. <laughs> I mean, but like, unless you're gonna pay, because we were giving eight, like four ounce cubes, and we were doing two of them basically. Um, so between six and eight ounces per per thing, that's like a half a thing of Ben Jerry's, and we would need to charge eleven dollars to actually make money on it. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, like, like, those, no one's paying. I got all those rich assholes living up in the Turnberry things that look like they're living uh, in like yes, some yes. medieval they like castle. They, 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 they don't like to spend money. They don't like to spend money. Castle. Yeah. It looks yeah. like they're ready to turn like you know. Pour hot oil over if yes, anybody yeah. comes Absolutely. into their yard. They'll buy a new Ferrari, <laughs> but they won't spend eleven bucks on ice. That's too much. That's too and much. Exactly. Right and, and I mean, those people who are who are driving the Ferraris aren't the ice cream people. Let's be honest. Like, yeah. like well, so. No, because so, if you spill ice cream in a Ferrari, that costs oh, you a lot more than eleven dollars. Yeah, 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 that's a. So, so game. now we go on to Ada's version 3.0, and I said to Jeff and Daniel, my partners, who are just amazing guys and very thoughtful, and we said, "Hey, I was like, wine bar. This needs to be a wine bar, and we need to have." The right wine people, we need to have the right chef who's done the right shit. And the reason why Jackson is the right guy for that is because he was the chef at Employees Only in New York, which is basically an amazing bar with, like, with food. amazing food. And the yeah. food's amazing. And, like, <laughs> uh, and not only that, but, like, when you're talking about something that's a little experimental, you need someone who's just crazy enough to say yes, and Jackson's that guy. You know, so, like, like he's just like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, let's try it. <laughs> right. Like, he's always about moving forward and innovation and that's what the menu is there right so we started off we we're like oh man and we grabbed a bunch of spanish cookbooks and we we're like oh let's do this and we wrote this great menu and it's very spanishy mediterranean -y. <laughs> and then like now it's all french <laughs> right yeah. and like, it's well, like, yeah. like everybody's doing spanish yeah. right now yeah but yeah. Yeah. not only that it's like weekly so. it was just a jumping off yeah. point yeah. though and but i feel like every time james and i get together yeah. it's just we always have a, a a different viewpoint that we're trying to come from and trying new things and so this this go round, it just we just happened to fall into this pocket of kind of French stuff that we wanted to try, and we were just like, let's do it. Yeah, let's just well, do it. Who like, does? Where else can you get duck and lentils in the city? Nowhere. Nowhere. That's just not happening, yeah. right? Yeah. Like the, that's the thing is like I I seriously believe like I would love to open a French restaurant here on Main Street. I want to do it. I've tried to do it three times and every single time the <laughs> land deal doesn't work out right so 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 one of the things is as soon as i can get the space to do it i already have gonna move this shit over that he's doing right now at eight is no the, like we're literally like basically r and d okay. that that restaurant and the thing is like summerlin's a really cool crowd like they'll try a bunch of stuff like all here's the thing is what happens is all the cool people live downtown and then they fucking grow up and have kids and they move to summerlin <laughs> And then as soon as their kids are in school, they're like, oh, thank God, I have to find a wine bar. And that's the whole reason why Ada's <laughs> exists. So so we really get, like, some of the best people, like Samantha Gemini, who's, like, one of our regulars, you know, um, like, she's like, I love this. I need this in my life. Diana from, you know, Valley Wine Cheese. Mm -hmm. She's like, I have to, this place means so much to me. And Kat, who's our wine goddess up there, is just, like, all hospitality, the best. Such a special soul. So yeah, Such exactly. A special soul. So we have. What the, I love about yeah. uh, about what you're doing at Eight is is that you are being experimental. But right, first of all, it's not this standard app entree. You know, it is still even if you're not necessarily doing Spanish, it's closer yeah. to a tapas. And I know that term's been overused a million times, but it is that 
Order a few things. Yeah. Try some shit. Maybe if he doesn't knock it out of the park on every one of them, you still got three other ones that are. For if if you're not hitting my taste buds on every one of them, I'm ordering enough things, and they're all experimental. They're all dishes that I'm not going to see anywhere else in the city. They're all small enough that I'm not. It's not a huge commitment either dollar wise or my entire meal wise. And you're serving it with affordably priced wine, which puts people in the mood to get more experimental and affordably priced quality wines. Yes. yes. Right. Things that are undiscovered labels really is kind of more so there right? i always say that like one of my favorite wines that we've had on the menu is the salise i mean we're talking about a field blend spanish wine that when you pop it and drink it it tastes like it's it's a red it tastes like the ocean <laughs> whoa like what the hell is that like i love and that's something that we get actually and the person who brought it in was jared from vesta so it's his wine company that he started to bring in all these crazy natural wines. And that is like one wine where it's like, we have to have this on the menu. And you eat that with mussels and have that red wine oh, and yeah. it's like game over. Yeah, That's a special combination you will never experience anywhere else. I remember one time I was at Melise and we were doing the five by five dinner and Donato, the, who's like one of the people there, um, he poured me this um, Orvieto. It's a white Orvieto and it was like he's like this will remind you of the ocean and i literally drank it and i was like it tastes like fucking oysters <laughs> and i was like and i was eating it with uh fucking homeboys uh cuttlefish noodles uh with the guy to the who's the day not yeah. the french lafave guy you were using fucking as an oh, adjective not yeah. a verb there, right? <laughs> all yes. of them i i use it yeah, is yeah. the most versatile yeah, yeah, yeah i mean like here's the great thing it's like you can edit this out i know it's not good <laughs> no, no we're not editing it <laughs> are, are we talking but, about uh, you can't use it as a pronoun right yeah you can like yeah but face did that right had it been a verb i would have been i would have left fucking fuck those cuttlefish noodles uh that's it the facebook please but i mean but here's the thing is like so um yeah damn it i'm in f facebook jail again uh but but it's like those kind of things that i want people to go to into this place and experience because so many times like you go to grape street and you go to these other restaurants there are supposed to be wine bars and you get this ravenswood bs pinos and crap you know under like under experienced wines and they're for the masses and maybe that's what people want but the world of wine is so special and the world of like Jackson's food and the food that we're doing there is so special that more people need to see it. And at the same time, we also have a hamburger on the menu. Right. A right? delicious hamburger. Mixed Mix, Royale with cheese. Mixed yeah. Royale with cheese. <laughs> and I made and here's the thing, it's like I, I, I literally he was not happy that I called it a Royale with cheese. Because he's not into French food. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it's an American Why are we going does Royale with cheese bow? He does? Yeah. Oh, the I love bows it. His bows are so good. Man. So. Dude, if I'm going to bite off of anyone, Mark Brown's the dude to bite off of for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, new, fr more French-leaning menu right now yeah. at Ada's. What else is going on? Any special events? Any guest chef series? Any um, pop-ups? And you know, you're, you always yeah, have shit going. We on. always have stuff going on. So, so at Esther's uh, next week, we're going to do. After four years, we're going to do our first wine dinner. Really? Yeah, we finally have enough plates to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's, I, so we're actually. Yeah, I actually had the guys at Clay Arts. I was like, I need twenty of this, and twenty of this, and twenty of this, and finally I got them. So now I can finally do a wine dinner. Nice. So when is yeah. that going to be? So that's going to be about four weeks from now. I think it's like the sad, uh, first week of December. Is there a theme? Is there a winery? Is uh, there... So we're working with uh, Flanagan Wines, um, yeah. and 
An yeah. Irish winery. <laughs> right. An Irish winery. Uh, no, <laughs> it, uh, winery. It's, it's potato yeah. wine. <laughs> it's potato wine. Yeah. Uh, it, it's Most a winery out of Northern California. Uh, they know. do an amazing job. Uh, I mean, obviously, their cabs are super cult and special. But, um, like, this will be the first one. Obviously, I have friends at Laventure and stuff like that that I want to bring in as well. But we want to prove out this concept because we've never done a tasting menu or a menu like this at Esther's in four years. Like, most restaurants live to do these events. Yeah. I've always thought of Esther's as, like, we don't do these things. Mm-hmm. You know, we do wine dinners at Ada's. Yeah. Right? And it's awesome. And right. You get to cook a special menu, and we have a lot of fun with it. So and then why? If you always thought of if it is that something you don't do there, and you, so you certainly have a portfolio of restaurants where you can yeah. do whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely. So is, is Esther's just growing up? Is is James Trees growing up? What's, I hope what's not. About? <laughs> I Dude, Never. I really hope not. I, I First of all. Growing up is not a thing. It's not a theme for me. Um, we're getting older, but we're not growing up. Yeah, get older, definitely. Uh, I think what the thing was is, like, we have a new wine director, uh, and he comes from the Bay Area where they do a lot of, like, uh, wine dinners, and he asked if we could do one. And when one of my team members comes to me, whether they're the dishwasher or the wine director, and they say, hey, I want to do this, my first answer is always yes and then figure it out. Rather than tell them no and fi- tell them why we can't do it. Mm-hmm. I hate people around me who tell us, like, especially in any of my restaurants, if you tell me you can't do something, as long as it's not illegal, I want to <laughs> know why. Like, if you, like, once it's like strike one, strike two, strike three. All right, dude, like, you're just not the person. Right. Because I'm going to come up with, like, the reason why we are successful is because we come up with stupid, crazy ideas. Like a fucking Roman trattoria in the middle of, you know, in the middle of Crack Alley that's called the Arts District, which is now this amazing thing, right? Right. We are so lucky. So, you know, we're talking about doing pizza and ice cream at Tivoli Village when every restaurant up there had ever been had failed, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, these are crazy ideas. Yeah. Um, doing a French wine bar, like doing a wine bar, crazy idea. Going well, how, into the how Brio many, spot yeah. to do a red spot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. How, many, how many wine bars have failed at Tivoli Village? I yeah. can think of three, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just right off the top of my head. And the thing is, like, and, and it's bringing somebody something that they want in a way that makes it special for them. I think All Salido speaks to people very, very clearly and definitely in its execution and what we want to do there. I think Ada's is doing the same thing. Um, you know, if you work on the strip, you should spend one of your days off at Ada's. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, a, it's a blast. It's man. a it's, yeah. No, it's a great restaurant. I have to tell you. Uh, I, Really, seriously, yeah. of all of your restaurants, yeah. I think Ada's is the one that is just so much more fun. Uh, of any of them, it's the one I'm more likely to just pop in out of the yeah. blue. That I didn't know I was going anywhere when I left my house. Yep. I was yeah. driving around. I'm in the neighborhood. What do you want to do? Hey, Sue, you want to go over? We'll sit in Ada's. Yeah. You know, get a glass of wine. Yeah. Get whatever. And I like that, you know, you're not that far from the little grassy area there at right. Tivoli Village. Bring Ziggy. You know, like, bring Ziggy. Yeah. 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 You guys are very cool. Get these guys out. Oh, that's there. mixed Royale with cheese right there. Uh-oh. Mixed Royale oh. They're not going to have That's food. the entire... This is now the entire kitchen team at, at Ada's. <laughs> there we go. Mick, we got you it. beautiful bastard. Mick! There so, he is. James, let me ask you, while, while we're here, talk to me about how the idea for Vegas Unstripped came about. Because as I remember it, 
It was what I thought was a okay. drunken April Fool's joke on social media. It kind of was. That was saying, fuck you to Bon Appetit. And oh, then okay. next oh, thing you know, yeah. and I'm calling your publicist saying, is James just, is he serious? Is this an April Fool's joke? What's going on? Because I think April 1st was a prominent date in it, whether yes, it, was it was the day you posted it or the day yeah. you were having it or something. It's the day we announced the idea okay. for Unstripped. So I just thought you were drunk and full <laughs> what of shit. What yeah. well, well, I'm very rarely drunk, and I'm always <laughs> full of shit. So that's, that's, that, that's something you <laughs> You always have to remember um, the 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 idea for Unstripped basically came from um, I've I came from LA right I was in LA for ten years and I did every LA food and wine I got did Pebble Beach I did all these events all these amazing great things with all these great chefs and then I get to Vegas and someone from Uncorked sent me an email inviting me to be one of the chefs at Uncorked as long as I paid the thirty five hundred dollar fee. For my table fee. And then I had to pay for 5,000 pieces of food. And then I had to pay for the labor to create that. And then I had to go there and execute it. And only then would I get the honor of going to Uncorked. And, and having been to Pebble Beach for the- food and wine, I was like, fuck you. <laughs> right? I was like, for the same amount of money that you're asking me, I could do my own festival. <laughs> and fuck I said you. that to Eric. Yeah. And Eric's like, well, should we? And I was like... Fuck it, let's go. do it. And yeah. that was it. Yeah. That's the whole philosophy. Yeah. It's like, like, let's be honest. We just have ideas yeah. and we're just like, yeah, why not? Yeah. This is like, like, one, like this is one of those foolhardy, crazy ideas. And look, yes. what, like, look what these guys yeah, have turned it into. It's turned into, man. Yeah, it's turned into the premier food event in Las Vegas. You know, because here's what happened. We did it. We took 700 people away from Uncorked. Well, 700 people was their entire profit margin because <laughs> they were flying in fucking Guy Savoie and Bobby Flay and all these guys to have their chefs who didn't want to be there cook food that they didn't want to cook at their booth that was all set up and beautiful and architect and designed by engineering and tens of thousands of dollars per restaurant for each one of these things so that way they could put out soulless food that's what Uncorked ended up being and why would I want to associate myself with that why would I pay extra money to be a part of that? So what we did is we said, all right, here's the rules. Number one, the chef has to be there. Mm-hmm. If you're here, yeah. the chefs are here. That is rule number one about unstripped. Number two, no fucking sliders. <laughs> no sliders Thank you. in general. The, the, it's a theory is that, you know, for years and years and years, just the hack restaurants would just do sliders. Everyone did a slider, 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 slider. How many fucking sliders, Al, did you eat? Thousands. Uh, Thousands. I have eaten many a slider. <laughs> and every time you're like, Many oh. a poolside slider. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the Las right? Vegas media, um, food media logo oh. from, I'd say from maybe, you know, uh, 2009 through 2019 should have just been a slider by the pool. Yes. Right? That's what our press passes would look like. Just give us a laminated slider by a pool yes. pass and we can get into every event. Right. right? Wow. And so our rule was you can't cook something that stupid. If you do it, you're not allowed back. <laughs> so the first year we did three dishes, right? Because we also didn't know. But like Ralph did nine dishes. Brian no, did four what? dishes. Oh yeah, oh, seriously, yeah. Yeah, it was a whole thing. <laughs> oh yeah, you guys, it was like, oh, it my was gosh. Watching, like watching a share concert yeah. with the costume <laughs> yes. changes. Man. Yes, I Dude. mean it was just like, oh, oh. where's James going? Oh, he's he's yeah. changing out his dishes. Yeah. Uh, you didn't get it. We changed our it. setup. That was your seven yeah. minutes that you had yeah. to get that dish. That's it. Yeah. So we were just we were constantly <laughs> evolving and changing things and doing all that. And we did like so basically the first year we did a tasting menu. Come back, 
go around, come back in, we'll have a different dish. Come back around, do it, we'll do a different dish. Then the next year, we were like, okay, so we did little dishes. So now this year, the last time we did it, it was big dishes. So I uh, grabbed a couple of, I had a couple of iron crosses made at a welder around the corner, grabbed a, a like a little swing set rack from Justin Kingsley Hall, <laughs> built a fire in the back and roasted two lambs over the fire in the back of Esther's <laughs> while I sat in a chair and drank beer all day. <laughs> and then we rolled, we rolled uh, pita and we made fresh pita to order in Vinny's wood-fired oven. I swear I thought he said pita. Pita, I yeah. thought like the, the people for the ethical yeah. treatment of Esther. Oh, yeah. yes. I thought he rolled them. Like, yes. they, they were yes. mad that he was cooking the lamb. He rolled them. rolled them. And then we did, yeah. So And then we this year, we did, like, to, to screw off with pita people, we did foie gras raviolis. Right? And I did foie gras raviolis, but this year was really important because as Steve, who's been with me for three years, has really become the center focus and the chef of Esther's, I wanted him to do a dish too. So he decided to do porchetta de testa in a banchan style and do a banchan Oh, taco. that thing, yeah. Right? Oh, Super good, delicious. right? Yeah. And he's a great chef and a great human being, and he's just been a great part of our team. And as he's evolved, I want him to be recognized as being the chef of Esther's. Like, I'm not the chef of Esther's. He is, right? I'm not the chef of Veda's. Jackson is. I'm not the chef of Alcelito. Steve Young is. Right, and all of those guys have amazing teams and amazing sous chefs, and I'm there to guide and help be of service to them. Like, yeah. the the one thing that Steve wanted from me is like, dude, did you get my plates? I'm like, yeah, I got your <laughs> plates. All right, fine. I don't know what your dishes, but fine, I got your plates. Right. <laughs> so I end up, I'll end up being the logistics guy, and I'll end up being that guy to make sure that they have the support they need in order to create something that's awesome for this event. And I love the fact that we had all these crazy lines and everyone's happy to have us. And I mean, I thought the caviar donuts that you did were out of control. I thought the freaking lamb tartare oh. was super delicious. The arancini with the beef cheek that Steve did oh, was yeah. freaking amazing. Very special. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I like, and the, here's my thing is like, for me, I do, I have a rule. I don't do dishes at events that are on my menu. Right, so starting and no next sliders. Yeah, yeah. There's two rules. <laughs> no, 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 that's that's my that's my rule for all events. Is I don't right. do shit that I could do in the restaurant, or else I would just do it there. Yeah, like so. And yeah. why would I really want to eat it outside if it's yeah. the same? I mean, like there are a couple chefs that I'll accept it from, and uh, okay, you're, I'm sure you're gonna roll your eyes, but if I if Guy Savoie wants to do his truffle artichoke soup outside by a pool and pour that for me, yeah. I'm not gonna bitch. I've had that. Yeah. I've had that yeah. soup. 18 times in my life, and You're I'm gonna have it every it fucking time. Hey, he man. Makes it. <laughs> For, all and right, he so, can make it by a yeah. pool, he can make it on yeah. a train. With a <laughs> I will eat it on a train. I will eat it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We get darker too. Yeah. But generally yeah. speaking, I agree. But, with you. Right. But here's the thing is like, is the artichoke soup better when Nick does it, or is the artichoke soup better when Guy Savoie does it? I'll bet you the freaking artichoke soup is better when Guy Savoie does it. Yeah. That's, that's what Unstripped is about. Right. It's like the chefs who are here, like uh, the foie gras patty melt that Johnny did. That can only be executed by Johnny. Right. That's it. It's his dish. It's his thing, right? Johnny Church we're talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, if you go down here and you see this murderer's row of amazing <laughs> chefs, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. come on. Like, like, this is awesome. Like, this is the funnest event, and we do it every year, and we surround ourselves with great human beings. And then next year, we invite more and more people. You know, and like I want to invite, you know, Dan Coughlin from 8 East. I want to invite him. I want to invite Leticia. I think what she's doing over here at um, at Letty's uh, Cochina and Tuckeria over here on Main Street. I think that's really great. You know, 
We would love to. What you do you know, think about having Dan Daniel here from Carver? Dude, the, I I I actually got a told okay, so, chef here. All right, so here's the move, right? So here's what we had to do to get Daniel because Daniel's like, oh, dude, I really want to do it. Daniel Alvarez. But they're also talking. having an event and they need me to do it here, and I got to do an app, and it's over at the Lou Rubo Center and blah blah blah. Same day, right? Mm. I was like, dude, they're gonna keep you in the back of the Lou Rubo Center. They're not gonna show you off. You're not gonna get any press about it. I was like, so here's the thing: is that I have the tie with that group over at Mott's Bar. So a perfect bite, Oliver Wharton and Pierre Carrillo, who are my friends there, and then also Bart Mahoney. I'm like, yo, if you really want to get some, like, vibes for your restaurant, you know, like, why don't you have him come do our event, right. you know? Have him here, cooking here, send a sous chef to go put out his food over there. And the deal is that's definitely sending a message that they want locals to come into yeah. that restaurant, right? A hundred percent. By being here, ah, yeah. you're making a statement yeah. that you're hoping that locals will come to yeah. your casino restaurant. A hundred percent. Because you're yeah. not doing this to try to get the people that are flying in. I mean, no. and by the way, I've seen some friends here who are out of town people yeah. that did fly in for this, but generally yeah. speaking, you're, you're reaching My, my great point of pride being a beginner in all this is at the opening of Resorts World, when I was over there at Carver taking yeah. pictures and showing you what I thought was the, the big piece of meat yeah yeah and that's when you saw daniel in my yeah. picture and went yeah oh shit he's going over to resorts world i had no idea like yeah. you, you <laughs> broke well, the news man <laughs> yeah. but 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 the cool thing is is like like we were able to get him over here but the rule is he had to be here yeah because if it was a sous chef he couldn't do this right right and that's the thing is like so this is a very very special place yeah for that it doesn't reason. say carver it says daniel Otaveras. yeah absolutely because it because it's about the chefs yeah. like this for this event ada's it was about jackson Right. Right. I didn't ask him what he was going to do. I didn't care. It's all about him. Like, that's this is an event about him. Which chefs that you've worked for or with, well, for, yeah. really, which big shot celebrity chefs? Because I know a few that have that exact same attitude that you're talking about, which is empowering the people yeah. in your organization to become names, to go out there. Have you worked for celebrity chefs who have given you that kind of freedom, who have encouraged you that way? Yeah, absolutely. Or was I, it their lack of doing it that made you want to do it? There's two of them that, that, that really pop out. Number one would be uh, Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay has always said that as soon as he can put uh, a chef's name on a restaurant that's not his, mm -hmm. he does that. Like he did that for uh, even at restaurant Gordon Ramsay, and now uh, that chef she has three Michelin stars, and she's fucking badass. And he's actually but, told me that he, yeah. when I once asked him if he would ever go off the strip, no. he said I would rather finance one of my chefs to go off the strip into yeah. the Vegas neighborhood. Yeah, and here's the thing: is like you know, I I I give him all the props in the world, but. For as much fucking time as he spends here, he still hasn't been to my restaurant, and I fucking give him shit about it. So okay, Gordon. You know, so so he, you know, if he hears thrown. it. You know, <laughs> the fucking yeah, a stone thrown. And then the other one is obviously Bradley Ogden. I mean, Bradley was all about promoting all the other chefs in the kitchen. I mean, you're talking about Sven Mead, Jeffrey, Adam Sobel, Gerald Chin, Dave Varley. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could just... And then all those people also went through the Mina organization. I think is that, 90% yeah, yeah. of who you I, just The named. funny thing was, I and worked Michael for Mina also, before I worked for Bradley. <laughs> I've always been impressed with Michael giving people the, the chance to have a spotlight on them. Maybe he... Yeah. I don't know whether he was when you were with him, but I've always seen that he seems to empower his chefs. I, I think now I think now he's seeing the value in it. Before they were buying the Mina name, now, I mean, like, to have Raj Dixit uh, at uh, Michael Mina right now, he ran the flagship in San Francisco for five years. We were talking about a Michelin star level chef in every sense of the like word is now running a restaurant in the garden at Bellagio. Yeah. Like he's the best chef at Bellagio by a mile. <laughs> 
Like it's not like he would crush Julian Serrano's dreams, right? So like, oh, the trash talk is starting, man. Oh no, no, I have no problem with that. I think Julian's a horrible chef. It's been fucking hasn't made a good dish in twenty years. But that's just me. However, when I watch uh, Great Chefs, Great Cities, his is always the first one I watch. No, uh, uh, James, we're gonna wrap this. <laughs> Someone tells you that's not gonna make the no, cut. No, no, it's gonna make the cut. I want to hear. I'm gonna call you on this one. Even if we end it before that, I'm gonna go. Oh, here's the part that James thought yeah. we were gonna. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that'd be awesome, actually. But no, I don't know if you're a turn. Just because I gotta find my wife. Right? Yeah, I well, gotta do yeah. a little. She runs away. Well, yeah. she's probably hanging out with my sister here somewhere. Probably. Anything yeah. else? We so you got a wine dinner coming up. Yeah, we got wine dinner got coming French up. French food yeah. over it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, fall menu. Yeah. To know about. What fall are, menu at All Salidos coming out. I mean, like they have some really great dishes. A really cool idea of a new vibe on a veal chop that we've been messing with. Steve Young coming along over there. You know, I've been a Steve Young fan forever. I am a huge Steve Young fan. I am I am a Steve Young advocate. And I love what he does. I love his temperament. I love the way that he empowers his cooks. I love the way cuz he's going to create the next round of chefs. He's really fucking good. And I mean and I mean come on, and Jackson. I mean like Jackson is we just have fun over there. Are you still here? Yeah, yeah. Jackson's yeah. I'm here. We just have fun over there. We, we have fun. That's that's the whole Ada's thing. Is it's not a stuffy wine bar. It's no. just come yeah. in, relax, chill. You're gonna have great wine. If you've you ever met Cat, you know it's not gonna be stuffy. Yeah. Bring your dog. Yes. Bring your dog. Bring your dog. Yeah, we have all yeah. those outdoor patio seats. Oh, come 100%. and hang out. Cool, brother. Well, thank yeah. you guys. I love so you. I appreciate you, mate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, did we deliver what we promised from James and Jackson? Where do we go from there? How about one of Las Vegas' finest barmen, Adam Raines? Adam took a break from the festival's cocktail enclave to join us at the Food and Loathing table and talk about cocktails the way Rich's brow furrows whenever I mention a cocktail program and ghosts. Adam Raines in the house again. Now, you were just um, getting the cocktails ready to go when we spoke earlier, so um, how's it going over in the cocktail corner? You know, um, our cocktail corner is seeing a lot of action. uh, (laughs) We're having a lot of fun. We're uh, lighting stuff on fire, but we're trying not to light our neighbors on fires. That's nice. Oh, that's (laughs) no fun at all. Adam, you you have worked at just about, I feel, every bar in Las Vegas. Um, You know, currently people know you, of course, from Golden Tiki, but you've been... I feel like anybody that has a good cocktail program has um, had you go through. So you need to explain to my buddy Rich here. Rich gets very upset when he hears about a cocktail program. I just heard it just he heard gets it too really, much. He, he seems to think it's <laughs> it's pretentious or something. Program I don't know. So overdose. Could overload. you please explain to him why why we need a good cocktail program in a good bar and restaurant? <laughs> you, you know, I think it's part and parcel with you know the whole food renaissance that we've yeah. gone through um, and you know the beverage renaissance followed right behind there or running concurrently with that and I, I mean, when we go out and dine we want to have we, we want to have a better selection like if we go somewhere we at least want to know we go and have a cocktail I think um, 
at least if we can have like fresh juice in a cocktail. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a program. It doesn't have to be pretentious. But if you can find someone that like makes a whiskey sour with a lemon, it's pretty amazing. It's it seems pretty novel, but uh, <laughs> yeah. like imagine oh, it's not from that green that bottle of green yellow liquid that has like 20 ingredients. Like no oh it's just yeah. as lemon and Look, God right. and sunshine in yes, it. Yes exactly. So, so here, I've had many a wonderful cocktail, a couple at Golden Tiki in fact. Awesome. The I guess maybe part of my issue is they're one offs. I go there. It's this thing with 20 things in it, and it's got a fancy name, and I have it, and I love it. And then I never have it again because either it's, you know, five months before I go back to that place and they've turned everything over or the people have turned over. And it sometimes is a little frustrating if you find something you like, and you know it's the only time you're ever going to have it in your life. Well, I mean, but I, if I go into a, look, if I go into a French restaurant, I certainly want them to have... Um, you know, steak frites or um, have, have you know, a, a French onion soup. But then I also want to go into a place where Robichon is making things that I'm never going to get yeah. in any other restaurant on the planet, right? So okay. if I go into a good cocktail place, now look, there are some, there are some amazing, especially ho certain hotels, high-end hotel cocktail bar, where I would say they don't really have a cocktail program. They certainly don't have a signature line of cocktails, but they take their cocktails seriously. They make the classic cocktails with, with care and they, they give a shit about making classic cocktails. But then if I go into a bar that is either at a restaurant or living on its own that has a distinct personality, a bar with a personality, I want them to make creative original cocktails in the same way that I want a chef to make a creative original dish at a, at a restaurant that has an identity and a personality. Now, I still want them to be able to make me a Manhattan or a whiskey sour or any of the classics. And yes, we all do know that pretty much any signature cocktail in the world is one of a very small handful of classic cocktails just with a couple twists right. to yeah. it, right? So, I mean, if you know enough to look at the menu, you're going to recognize your classic cocktail in most most signature cocktails as well, right? I mean, am I wrong here? No, absolutely, absolutely. It's like it's like every every song that's ever been written has already been written, you know? Like, yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah, and the cocktail. kinks have played most of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I always say it always comes down to like, oh, we humans love lemonade, you know. So like most cocktails that we drink now, like they they have uh, like spawn are spawns of of lemonade and booze. But um, yeah, I, I think it is. You know, like I, I don't always, I definitely respect what chefs do, and I, I I'd say what we do as bartenders that care is along the same lines. I'm not saying that we are chefs, and I. I I, I don't necessarily like that term of bar chefs, but I, I do know there is a difference from just a bartender that that like just will pour out of a gun and right. doesn't really care, and then as opposed to bartenders that really care, study flavors and actually go and try to learn um, and go for certifications, sommelier certifications, and just ha constantly want to learn and constantly uh, want to know about flavors. Right. That's like through my career is just following chefs. So I'm kind of like a chef worshiper. <laughs> you know, like I've I've always been just I, I, I bow down to chefs and I I follow what they do. Like, you know, working for Mario Batali restaurants or can I say I don't know if I can say his yeah. say everything. He got Absolutely. me he got me too, do you know? Too soon, too yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. I, I love you, Mario. You're, you're awesome. Uh, um, uh, but uh 
But yeah, working for the chefs that, that he brought up in the ranks, um, like it was the most easy to follow pastry chefs on the side, you know, as far as, as uh, pastry and dessert chefs, like for making cocktails, but then also on the savory side, just like following what he brought is just bringing freshness and uh, the best possible produce you can, getting the best out of what you can and not not wasting anything as well. So you go follow those chefs, you create cocktail program, complementing that menu. Then you go to a place like the Golden Tiki where you're the chef, you're the star. Literally, there was no food when that place first opened or you took it from a couple doors down. So it's all on you, a whole different challenge, right? Absolutely, and and you always you always have those moments when you're a bartender that you're like, oh, this is how I would do it if I was in charge, and like, and and you always, especially working because I worked like you're right, I worked at a lot of different places in casinos. I worked at, for Caesars and Gordon Ramsay's, which had a lot of different hierarchy and a lot of things in their beverage program where you couldn't kind of innovate. And I always kind of I was a little dismissive, like, oh, we we don't want to innovate here, like. Or the or the people on top don't want to innovate. But now I realize that when you're when once the train has left the tracks, you have to keep it rolling. So you can't always do so many esoteric things. You can't always have a different special every day if you want. If or and you can't just constantly change your program around. So talking about the program, it has to work. It has to. You have to have you know those things like mise en place matters. You can't just. You can't just assume that every bartender has your skill level or yeah. has a skill level. So you have to make things work. So I'm, I'm like learning the art of compromise, but also deliciousness and making, trying to make that all work together. Well, and, you know, I see the same thing in chefs. Some chefs that are at this very place right now who earlier in their career, I felt like they designed some amazing dishes, but that their team couldn't always execute right or if they could it took them a little while to learn how and then the chef was already changing what was on the menu by the time that you know the team just caught up right and (laughs) that idea of of being a great creator means you have to create something great that other people are able to replicate and are able to put out on a level that is consistently good for the customer because you know it's one thing people always say al when you walk into a restaurant you got the the head chef cooking for you that's not what everybody else experiences and there's a certain truth to that you know, if I come in, yes, I know you're going to make me whatever cocktail or mocktail I may order that day, and you're going to make sure it's absolute perfect. But the thing I like about the tiki is when I send people into the tiki, they don't know whether you're there or not. They don't know you, half of my friends, but they always come back and tell me they had a great cocktail. It wasn't that you can only go when Jason's working or when Adam's working or when these guys are working, you know. Um, you know. You, so there's a lot about picking the, the proper staff who can deliver that. And especially in a town like this where... I do believe that there's a, a great niche for every level of bartender, from a beer tender to somebody that only makes rum and cokes to, um, to I mean, a, to a great gaming bartender, depending on the neighborhood, may never have to mix anything creative. Some of them can, and they're, they're fantastic at it, but a great gaming bartender could make a shitload of money as long as there's enough royals in their place and they've got a good <laughs> audience. And um, Absolutely. So when you're staffing up, you know, I guess you've got to, to make sure that not only is this a great person who has a great staff, who has a great following in the community, but also... Are they going to really understand the difference between juicing, you know, squeezing your own juice and pouring it out of a gun or whatever? 
right? Yeah, we're all we're always looking for unicorns. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> especially at our place, because you know our place is, as you know, it's like I always say, it's like twenty different bars at one. Depending if you go at four a.m. versus four p.m. versus during the day, yeah. you'll have, you know, it's a gaming bar, but then you'll have cocktail nerds that go in there, and then you'll have tiki people. That some tiki people are just really into the culture. Some people are really into the drinks. Then you have, you know, bachelorette parties and just, and then, yeah, like I said, like at 5 or 6 a.m., it just gets weird. So what's But in the best way. Yeah. Update the Tiki for us. There's been some remodeling and some some, some moves going on. Do, 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 do the portholes full of dicks still uh, live? You know, dicks definitely always live at Golden Tiki. <laughs> Golden <laughs> Tiki is the, I get, I, you know, if anybody that follows my personal social media page, I got a giant vibrator delivered to my house the other day yeah. without me having ordered it, and it was actually a Hitachi <laughs> Magic Wand. And the best theory we have is that maybe Brandon wanted to be on the podcast, and that was his way of bribing me. <laughs> there you yes, go. Yeah, we're definitely phallic-y, uh for it, uh, focused there. Yeah, it is Dick Mecca over there. Yeah. And we, speaking of dicks, you have me. I'm in there. I'm a dick, <laughs> and you have yes. a shrunken, shrunken head heads. in there. Yes. Yeah, we, um, and we're having a couple of shrunken head ceremonies. We have one of our god godfathers of Vegas mixology and bartending, Tony Abugaman. Tony Abugaman. Yeah, we're going to have his shrunken head on Tuesday, which I'm super excited. But, yeah, we have the parrots back. Our parrots, Al and Bud, are animatronic parrots. They were yeah. Your dirty rehab. parrots are back? Yes, yeah. dirty birds. We also have... Some new hula girls. We have an avatar like hula girl, and then we have hula girls that do a show every every half hour, and they're a la Small World. Um, <laughs> of course, um, they, they, are. they did things I never saw. They do things I never saw in the Small World. <laughs> the, the United Nations would have had to send in, um, yeah, yeah. you know, a helicopter if this was going on in yeah. the Small World. And and the ghosts are still active. In uh, gold tiki, yeah, as ghost. Well. ghost. Enough with you guys. Oh. Ghost. Ghost. Every time ghost. somebody gets a the weird ghost. reflection of light in their camera, yeah. these guys are calling um, the fucking dude from the haunted museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. yeah, yeah. It's we, like, oh my god, there was a weird flashbulb <laughs> reflection. I think, um, I think Carol Ann got caught in the TV. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, that stuff apart, yeah, because there could be like, you know, people see orbs and. <laughs> In photos, but I see those sometimes in just regular photos as yeah. well. But they're like most people that work there have had something weird. By now, it might be psychosomatic. Well, I don't want to anger the Golden Tiki ghosts, so I'm not going to mock yeah. their existence anymore. <laughs> um, but the cocktail we did tonight at the event, we named after one of the ghosts, really? or one of the possible ghosts. Possible ghosts. There, it was called. His name was Hoot Gibson. Did I tell you about? Yeah, him? we were yeah. talking about him earlier. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. Yeah. So he's. In theory, could be one of the ghosts there at the Golden Team. Okay. So. Well, I mean, look, I will tell you this: that you know, should I drop dead anytime soon while you guys are open, I will definitely haunt that place. It, it is where I, I could oh, yeah. certainly enjoy spending some some solid afterlife time in there. And um, you know, by that point, I wanted to worry about right. my liver, so I'll probably be back to hard drinking as a ghost. <laughs> Dole whips and, um, on the Al ghost. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, cool, man. Thanks so much for coming, man. It's Beautiful. I appreciate you stopping by again. Everybody, go to the Golden Tiki, see Mr. Adam Rains. You have any other appearances coming up? Any other special events? Um, I'm going to be doing a bar takeover in Hawaii in Waikiloa Village at the Rum Shack uh, next Thursday. And then we're going to be doing a couple of bar takeovers in SoCal in uh, December. Stowaways and a Bamboo Club. And then the Double Down tonight, 1 a.m. 1 a.m. tonight? Rum, the down. Rum Owns. Oh, the Ramones are playing tonight. Well, 
And I, I've been told maybe we need to be called the Rum Ones now so we don't get in any trouble. There now, so who all is in that band? Because Jason Hughes is in the band, right? Yes, uh, oh. Jungle Jason Hughes. Who else? And we have Randy Renault, who's uh, our door guy at the Golden Tiki. But he's not just a door guy. He actually played bass. He's a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he played bass. He was a studio musician. He actually played with Lady Gaga, and he was part of touring bands. So he's actually a real musician, unlike us, who are... Cool. Did I see... Have I seen him at, um, at Nomad Library, when all Gaga's side people get up with Brian and play over there? I don't think he played... I don't think he played there, but I'll, I'll have, I'd have to ask him. Okay. Well, cool. Anyway, man, I'll let you get back to getting awesome. people drunk. Thank you so Woo-hoo! much for coming. Love your show. So, how's it going so far? I haven't lost you, so I'm guessing you have time for one more. My longtime friend, John Paul Labadee, came to the table to present me with a commemorative Vegas unstripped apron and then sat down to talk about his journey from running the kitchens of celebrity chefs to making aprons and apron ties for everyone. John Paul Labadee, how are you, my brother? Doing great, doing great. This is my first event that we get to participate instead of cooking for it, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, um, first of all, Rich, can I get a little more headphone in my ear? Yes, you may. Uh, test, 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 one, two, three, three, two, one, something uh, like that. There we go. I got me. Cool, okay. and I got you. JP. So, Chef, people know you probably most recently um, as a chef from Emeralds. You yep. were with Emerald for a long time, but yep. you were also um, out at uh, Desert Shores for a little while, right? Um, and Garfield's and- Combo. Right. And then where were you prior? You've, I mean, God, you've got a lot of strip and off strip I, I, I did a lot of celebrity chefs for some reason. I don't know. If the, I don't know. But, yeah. uh, but I did Todd English. Uh, That's pub. right. That was awesome. Todd English pub. And then I opened uh, Searsucker with, um, with Omnia and, uh, yeah. and Brian Malarkey. Very cool. And that was cool. And then what hopefully some people read about it in the Las Vegas Review Journal, because I did write about it when I was over there. But, man, I love your story because you pretty much were sick and tired of having your apron fall down all the time. And you basically built a a better mousetrap. You built a mousetrap. You built a new something called an apron tie. Correct. That would keep aprons up while you worked. And what blows me away as a guy who's never really worked in a kitchen is that, like, I just thought, who the hell needs that, right? Like, what? That's, it's suspenders for your apron. But every chef I know that tried it was just like, Jesus, this is the greatest invention ever. I mean, it's as if you invented, like, butter or something. Don't I don't know, man. It was just, like, no. the coolest thing ever. So, so it's so simple. Explain what the idea was and how you were inspired to start Apron Test. Well, again, it, it, like you said, the aprons always bug me, and I spend a bunch of money, you know, buying the cross-back aprons and all that stuff. Never really fixed my problem. Uh... And then, you know, uh, my mom sewed a lot when I was a kid, and something must have, you know, transferred. And uh, one day, I, after, you know, many, many, many years of that madness, I, I, I got to come with something. So I put something together, uh, sewing it by hand, uh, took it to work. A couple of the guys that had the same issue loved it, so I kind of bought a sewing machine, and uh, I made some for, for all of us. And a couple of days after that, a, a purveyor came by and said, what is that? I explained to him what it was. And he said, well, if you don't patent that, I'm going to do it. And <laughs> that, that was it. That was what, what created it, it. What made me kind of create it. The, the, the feeling that it was it was just me and a couple of guys in the kitchen, that it was a, a lot more people <laughs> in there. And then, you know, Sean Rowe, one of our, our corporate chef at that time, he just said, just do the math. Mm-hmm. And that 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 kind of kind of shocked me a little bit, and I said, "Well, let's just give it a run." So I quit my job and uh, sold my truck, and you know, a couple of years later, you know, a couple ups and downs because of the you know events that happened. Um, but 
biggest, I could not have picked a, a better city to, 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 to do something like this because the support I got him for some of these guys has been phenomenal, phenomenal. And I know also when the um, pandemic first hit, you, you made, were making face masks and gators and all kinds yeah, of so stuff that, that's well, right? My, my business part of that time who had that, that sublimation um, uh, press and, and printer, he decided to just kind of shut it down and he started making masks by himself and then he got so popular that he, hey, can you, can you help me, you know, and, and then we just got a couple of sewing machines and once the mask kind of died down, we, we focused on apron tie and apron tie late to aprons and now I guess I'm making aprons, you know. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. So you made the apron for this event. That's yes. why I want to have you. So let's, let's see it. You brought me one, right? Yes. It's cool. Pretty, I think it's really, really cool. It's my first apron that I've done with an artist that created yeah. actually the, the the art, and it's my first one that I sublimated, which is again, it's pretty, it's pretty badass. I think. Excuse the language. Ta-da! There you go. You got you know pocket action. You got the showing it off for the, everybody out there. This 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 crushes, man. I love it. I no, love again, the. Uh, <laughs> Adam, the artist, you know, he's got a couple murals in the city, and and he was so awesome to to, to come to the, to the to the shop, and I know it was it was I never had that reaction for somebody, especially an artist, tell me that I'm somewhat of an artist, you know, like, no, I'm not, I'm a cook, you know, really, and and, and I would be lucky, but he loved it, and, and the art fit fit the apron, and you know, we worked, and he's he's come over to do tie dyeing, you know, so it's it's. it's Hopefully, a, a new relationship is growing with this guy. Now that if you have the apron on him, you'll have to teach him how to saute or do one kitchen <laughs> you, you function. You do not want to teach me how to. He's seen enough. I'm sure he can fake it. I mean, you know, who would trust a food writer that could cook? Because if you could cook, you would just stay home and cook. You wouldn't be out <laughs> talking shit about other people's cooking. So, you know, like, I mean, let's face it. We're all just frustrated people that can't do what you guys do. That's uh, why we... Um, Stand in judgment of you. If you tell me out that you're gonna cook for me in the house, I'll bring the booze, and I'll, I'm pretty sure you come up with something pretty all right. You're yeah. gonna have to bring a lot of booze. Challenge is on. Um, can people buy this awesome? Event? You know, we have um, we have some. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard, you know, to, to do that, but we 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 can print more. We have about 10, 15 at the shop, um, and we we still make it without the pockets and with the straps because I want people to kind of make sure the pocket fits where they want to use it. And right. that's kind of where we're focusing on, on aprons. Um, one one big example, ladies. Uh, when I created apron tie, I, I realized that ladies have a, a more shorter torso than, than men. So I had to fix, fix the apron tie for them and not with aprons. I made some for, for some of the ladies chefs in the city and you know the, the, the chest obviously is different from us uh, and the torso size is also different from us. So. And most aprons are made for men, <laughs> right. so it's hard for those girls to come in and, and feel comfortable. So I made, a, I made over a handful of them, and, and, and I got a handful more orders coming in because, again, it, it, it fits them. You know, it's a little wider on the chest, a little wider on the side, so it covers a, a little more of the body, making it a little more, more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, again, I can put the pockets where you want and put the straps, collars, and all that stuff. So it's, it's kind of cool. So is the apron business going to be primarily a... Um, a- is it going to be retail eventually? You can try to get it carried in retail stores, or is it always going to be a custom type situation where people come in to have you design something special for their restaurant or their business or et cetera? You know, uh, we, we don't know. We have a shop now that, that has retail space, and in, 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 in we want to, you know, it's, it's a vision. We want to we want to ask something with Adam. We want to bring people to, 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 you know, if you have something that that you want to sell, and we have space in a shop, and you know, we don't get a lot of traffic in, in the area that we are, but I think. We can get some traffic, so I, I, I want to get some guys and girls to come in and, you know, if you're making, you know, 
knives, for example. You know, I would love somebody to, hey, have a knife in our, in our, in our and I think if you sell it, you know, great, but hopefully that creates a little more, more, more traffic for us and more exposure to some of the guys that cannot maybe afford a retail shop. So where can uh, we people can find either. you? Where can people go? And again, it's hard um, because we, we had a website, we have a website, but, you know, I, I get nervous that we're going to get really, 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 really busy, so I cannot tone it down a little bit on the website um, because the aprons are taking over a lot <laughs> of the apron tie and we're trying to how to blend them together is, is, is what we're trying to do in the next couple of weeks you know okay because we're coming we think we have a great product but it's it's just, you know I'm, I'm I'm still doing it at word of mouth and, and that's kind of getting a little, a little okay hard. well when you are ready to announce something yeah. more you're gonna come on the food and loathing podcast and we're gonna talk about it right we'll brother well indeed thank cool. you very much I'm trying man. to think of other things where did I see you you were like chef versus the wilderness or something right did you do <laughs> did, like some survivor <laughs> yeah, cooking show I did uh what's the name of the show extreme <laughs> chef at the Food Network uh, and it's, uh, that's a two seasons and, and it was uh, it was pretty all right you know we did uh uh, they took us to a lake in uh, in California, and they had us uh, swim and row and cook <laughs> with a, a little EV knife and then yeah. a Rambo knife. And but I won. I'm so gonna go back and watch that. I'm gonna it, find it, where it's that's interesting. Screaming. And I, I got a little hate mail for that. Did you? you know, it was, I was a little cocky. You know, you get you get these guys with an earpiece on you, and you're telling you, hey, do this and say this, and mm -hmm. eventually you fall in that trap, and some crazy stuff comes out of your mouth. But it was a great, great experience. You know, again, it, it, nice that I won. You know, $10,000 yeah. really, really, nice. really good. Uh, and it was a great experience. Okay, that's it for this bonus episode of Food and Loathing. We will return next week with our usual single episode, and I believe it's going to focus on sushi. Don't forget to subscribe or follow Food and Loathing wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what we're doing, please leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts. Anything else you need to know about me or the show can probably be found on my blog, theneonmohawk.com. Or just look for me in your favorite restaurant and chat with me there. I'm Al Mancini, signing off for myself and Rich Johnson. Please stay hungry.